With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. It's a bit of a different one this time, ladies and gents, isn't it? As the Reds were not successful in their clash at the Emirates and succumbed to a 3-1 defeat. But at the same time, I think it's fair to say it's not all doom and gloom as it could easily have been. And here to walk us through that and everything else going on and off the pitch at Anfield is the renowned and the respected David Lynch. David, bit bit of a different tone I'm asking you in this way but how are we this morning yeah mostly just devastated our 100% records gone uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is the the saddest part of this whole thing to be honest but um yeah I, we, we spoke didn't we before we came on there I think I think there's some positives here and, and some sort of mitigating factors to get into so I'm maybe not as as downbeat as, as maybe people would expect yeah I think that's fair and in a good way Twitter didn't seem to be having its usual meltdown after Liverpool defeat and destroying itself, going nuclear, etc. So, ladies and gents, we'll do the normal. We'll talk through the game. We'll talk about the fixtures coming up, the players possibly returning, even things that we may or may not see, and whether we'll see them in a TV documentary coming to your screen soon as well to talk about. So, I mean, yesterday, I mean, 3-1, it's an own goal that we get. Canate sent off the result goes against us and this is probably a loaded gun of a question I'm asking you here but your honest thoughts on the performance overall yeah I, I think probably 
fair to maybe say the worst performance of the season. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, I just think they didn't they didn't really threaten enough in attack. They were quite easy to get out and uh, in defence and, and got pressed out of it in midfield. So I think you know you put those three elements together and, and it adds up to not a very good performance really. And you know, I, I, like I say, I don't, you know, I don't really know where to start in terms of getting into the mitigating factors. I think there's several of them, but I think you know, even accounting for all that, it's worth saying, isn't it, that you know we're nearly up to seventy minutes and Liverpool were level. And they hadn't yeah. played very well at all. And I think, you know, and they, then they give away a goal in the most disastrous circumstances by two players who you would never expect to do that. And that that is the key moment in the game for me. Uh, you know, I think Liverpool would have loved to have played better and, and put on a better performance. And that's how you win at Arsenal. But ultimately, you know, they weren't able to do that. And you've got to say, you know, look, you, you're going away to... At worst, the be- the third best team in the Premier League. Yeah. A team who've they've beaten Manchester City there this season. The 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 good at home. You know, Liverpool beat them last time out, so they had a reason to sort of want to avenge that. And they yeah. they absolutely knew Arsenal as well that if they they lost this one, then they were eight points behind, and the title charge was over. They basically had only the Champions League left that they could possibly win, and that is obviously going to be extremely difficult to do. So. You know, I think a, a combination of factors really went against Liverpool. And like I say, even though they were poor, and I think they were poor across the pitch from front to back, really, they were they were in the match. They were they were in the game. Yeah. And we've seen Liverpool come out of games that they haven't played well and won them, or or, or you know come away with the point. And you would have been delighted with the point in the circumstance. And I would have loved to have seen how those last twenty minutes might have gone if they hadn't been given the goal, because I think the pressure really would have started to ramp up on Arsenal, a bit of desperation in the play, and then that opens up the game for counter-attacks. And you know, Liverpool could have had a real goal, which it's just incredible, really, that they hung in that long because they weren't playing very well. Um, and 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 so, yeah, it's it, they did give the goal away in the end, and so that, condemn, you, know, that condemns you to a, a yeah. defeat that you would say was deserved on the merit of the performance. But even, you know, even so, like I said, they were, they were still in there at one point, and I just think it would have been so fascinating if he hadn't given that goal away to just see how the, the pressure would have changed on both sides and whether that would have freed Liverpool up to, to maybe go on and win it. it. It seems almost crazy to say, but like you're right, we were absolutely terrible pretty much for those 70 minutes. I still feel deep down, and Arsenal fans could pillar us for this, if we don't give them, and that's the phrase I'm using, give them the two goals, essentially. I'm not sure they score. It wasn't like Alisson was flying across his goal and like making point-blank saves or like off-the-line clearances. It just kind of had like that feeling of a bit of a nothing game, so to speak, and the the errors turned it, really. This is is absolutely right, because... You, you look at it and I thought Arsenal first 15, 20 minutes, you go 1-0 up, absolutely brilliant performance and yeah. then cannot cannot fall that. So, I mean, they were great across the game, don't get me wrong, but I think the one area where they struggled was they were, they were dominant in midfield and they were pressing Liverpool and they were they were turning them quite a lot. And it, But I didn't feel like they were carving Liverpool open. That first yeah. 20 minutes aside, where they really did put together some opportunities, you have the Saka header, which you really should score. That's a big XG opportunity. And then obviously they score the goal, which again, even the opening goal, an element of fortune in that yeah. it's a weak finish from Havertz. It could go anywhere, but it lands to Saka and he basically has an open goal to score into. That is, you know, Liverpool rubbish around that goal. Don't get me wrong, Canate doesn't hold the line and, and it kills him because he's so scared of Martinelli down the left. But even then, a little bit of fortune, you get away with that one. And sometimes you need to get away with one in games like this. And 
you know that that's a big XG chance. The the, the Saka header, as I mentioned, and then of course the the, the second goal they score is again from a catastrophic error. And I think the XG for that is around 0.8. So you basically, you know, I think three, Liverpool concede around 3.5 XG and that's, what was it, a record or something? Again, it was, yeah. Some statistic was knocking about around that. But but about about half of that was made up from, you know, just certain situations. So that first 20 minutes where they were rubbish and then, you know, Martinelli gets gifted almost one XG. It's, you know, it wasn't like throughout this game, even though I thought Arsenal were dominant across the 90 minutes, they were carving Liverpool open. That, that for me is actually Arsenal's biggest problem under Arteta is I don't think he's consistently found a way of getting the attack to produce. And last season really was a bit of an aberration in his reign, really, of them being a real attacking force. Other than that, they actually have kind of been a little bit like this, a little bit stiff in attack. And I thought you saw that, that Liverpool kind of outside that first 20 minutes had them at arm's length and then gave them a goal. It was like, I, I think you're absolutely right to point that, that out. And I think that XG total is actually kind of deceptive in terms of how the game went. I think it reflects correctly that Liverpool were rubbish in attack. They were very good, didn't yeah. produce a lot. But it makes Arsenal's attack look better than it was in terms of what they were, you know, how much actual threat they were given Liverpool and how busy, say, Alisson was. I do, you know, as you say, he wasn't making all, an awful lot of saves or being particularly busy. Um, so I thought that for me, more than anything, sort of suggests that Liverpool were still in the game because I think they were able to cope with what Arsenal were throwing at them. And as I say, had it opened up a little bit in those 20 minutes as Arsenal got a little bit desperate. Liverpool, the Kings are killing things off and, and, and you know, that would have been a real opportunity for them. It's just so unfortunate they didn't get the chance to show that. Yeah, it, it literally, there's, there's that two-minute period. You, you could feel it before we, and let's be clear, we gifted them, as we said, the second goal. There was, and it sounds mental to say this, but there was a slight nervousness in that stadium. You could feel it like, how are we not winning this? Why are we not winning this? And then, yeah, everything else is kind of hindsight, but even even at one nil, even at one nil, I thought you know that, that first twenty minutes, as I said, thought Arsenal were electric, really, really played well. But it, I thought even after that, the crowd started to dip because they weren't two nil up, they weren't three nil up. They were thinking we haven't killed these off, and that that whole, the the, cr- the crowd quieting down actually leads into the goal in terms of a bit of nervousness and Saliba not clearing the ball and. And, and, you know, and then Diaz nips in and, and Liverpool the level all of a sudden. That really sort of put a punch in things. But I think it was reflective of how the game was going in terms of, you know, Liverpool weren't knocking on the door by any means, but they hadn't been killed off. And it wasn't, you know, they, they were finding their way back into the game and the crowd wasn't quite as loud as it had been before that. Um, and, 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 you know, Liverpool had continued that into the second half and then unfortunately just had that absolutely terrible error and that that changed, you know, that, that wins Arsenal the game effectively. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, and it sounds mad to say it when you look at the statistics of the game, like I say, the XG to say that Liverpool were in it. But the, I absolutely believe they were. And I think Jurgen Klopp sort of reflected on that post-match. He admitted they weren't very good, but he also felt that, you know, a couple of things didn't go Liverpool's way. And if he had, they actually could have, from a not very good performance, come away with yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everyone felt that. Jurgen Klopp felt that. But ultimately, you got that, that sense of, he wasn't majorly disappointed because he didn't look at it as an unfair result. I don't think any of us yeah. see it that way anymore in the end. Um, normally we ask who's bad of the match, so I'm going to rephrase this. Did Does anyone come away with pass marks? Maybe that's the best way I can put it in this one. Yeah, uh, probably n- nobody really. I, th- I thought I-, I like Diaz in terms of his work rate. I thought that persistence around the goal sort of summed him up. He-, he grafted so 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 hard in that game, and I think he gets three shots, which is more than any Liverpool player. 
and so he was probably the one who was closest to his level he obviously causes the goal as well and I thought the other player who, who stood out for me was Alexis McAllister who was yeah, sort yeah. of doing a one-man job in that midfield holding it together the only one who sort of showed up really I thought Jones and Gravenberg both had poor games to be honest in completely different ways Gravenberg kind of anonymous Jones on the ball a lot but didn't you know wasn't really completing his passes at his usual level wasn't winning his duels as we're used to and as I say Gravenberg caught almost like a passenger so you know the talk around McAllister about the number six actually it's kind of interesting that he was basically doing it on his own yesterday and did a quite a good job so I think he deserves a lot of praise for that but as you say not an, not an awful lot of uh, great performances in there yeah it's it's one of those because he's not pillaring everyone, but I agree. I thought Callister, Joe, Joe's in flashes. He looked better as he went into that two in the second half with yes, McAllister. Yeah. That gave us a little bit of solidity there. But I mean, they're walking away with six out of tens, really, if you're doing ratings, aren't you, up there? So yeah, we're, we're, we know we're not going to sort of clutch straws there too much. I mean, trying to lead some positives. When you look at the fixture list, this looks like the toughest one on paper out the way, doesn't it? And actually looking into the the near future, especially February, again on paper, it doesn't look too bad, does it, when you glance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so what they've got coming up now is I don't think any team above 15th even, is it, in the next three? And then it's obviously Manchester City after that, which is massive, but it's a nice build-up to that. Um, so that that that's kind of helpful. And as you say, the, the the away fixtures don't look anywhere near as tough from this point on. So that's really helpful. I think Arsenal have got some some stinkers coming up as well, actually. Yeah. And, and, and and maybe Manchester City is not as kind either. Uh, so that's a, a real positive to stick to. And and also, you know, like as I said at the start of the pod, in terms of you can go away to this team and and, and get beaten, and 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 so. You know, you can, but there's no fixture left on the fixture list where you're feeling the same. Even Manchester City at Anfield, you look at and think, well, you know, it's at Anfield and and City's record there is is absolutely woeful. So even that, you fancy Liverpool. So and and I think if they're going to win the Premier League, they do have to win that game regardless. So you know, yeah, yeah, there's there's loads of positives there. And I think another one to talk about is that you know, in terms of injuries. People coming back as well. You know, yeah. we know that Endo is going to be back at the AXA today. Um, hopefully, Mo Salah might even be in contention for Burnley. Sobberslai looks like they left him out as a precaution by the sounds of things. Didn't sound like he he got another you know twang of his hamstring. I think it was yeah. maybe more uh, he, he's felt a little bit of something and let's not risk it. So, you know, the, the squad is starting to come together. They've got a week's rest now coming into it, and I actually think that that week's rest is worth talking about actually because. The, how dominant Arsenal were in this game physically. I thought they were, they just swarmed Liverpool in the midfield yeah, and dominated them all over the pitch. It's worth noting that since Liverpool beat Arsenal at the Emirates, they played, that was their sixth game they were coming into. Aye. It was Arsenal third. Now, you know, when you see such a physical difference between the two sides, I don't know how you can't factor that in as a, you know, huge mitigation from Liverpool's side. They looked like they had a lot less energy for a good reason, really. And also, you know, they may have come through this period where they've had a lot of injuries, keep ticking off the wins and keep the, you know, they just kept on winning, but it does have an effect. You know, I think, no, I think Klopp had mentioned that he kind of looked into the players' eyes after the Chelsea win and there was a, they put a lot into that and they put a yeah. lot into the weeks preceding it and a very small group of players because he hasn't had a lot of options for rotation. So, it's no surprise really that it's come home to roost at a game that is already difficult enough on paper and a team who are absolutely determined not to get beat. And even then a moment, you know, a couple of moments have gone against Liverpool and they've ended up losing. And yeah, so I, I honestly I think there's so many sort of 
positives to 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 take away from what is a, obviously a really disappointing defeat and and going forward and you know they've got a week's rest now in the build up to Burnley and I think Burnley could you know there's every chance they could be getting a a bit of a hide in there and that that sets Liverpool up on a little run going into Manchester City to get three wins going into that it's it's absolutely game on then isn't it yeah, it is it is weird almost because we know how the end of the season is going to be with fixtures. But like you said, there's a week into Burnley, then there's a week into Brentford almost before the midweeks just ramp up all the way through. But it, it does get ignored, that Chelsea game. I mean, it, we were both there. It, it, we were on it from the first minute. I think it's told in the stats we ran about 9K further than Chelsea. It almost felt at the Emirates like a reversal of role, so to speak. They just couldn't get the legs going essentially when they were trying to and like, probably use the right phrase, Arsenal were geared up for this and they swarmed them. And yeah, everything else, incidents happened from there. And I've given personally a lot of players passes in this just because I don't see how you could do anything for, but for Alisson, Van Dijk, we know what happened. Even Trent and, and what he's done just didn't look fit. Are, are you the same? Is it sort of passes across the board in this one? Yeah, that's it. I mean, Alisson and Van Dijk, they never played poorly they never do things like that or maybe once a season maximum and, and, and it's happened yesterday at a really bad time but you just it's so easy to write those off they, you know they are the best centre-half the best goalkeeper in the world and they combined to make a horrible error that left an open goal you know it's just you hope it's not going to happen again it probably won't they're, they're too good for that so just one of those is very easy to write off and I thought yeah Trent thought Arsenal did a really good job of stopping him getting the ball in dangerous positions, but also he looked a little bit off it to me. And, uh, you know, he's had an injury. He's just coming back. He's feeling his way in. You know, maybe looking at his fitness there, he actually maybe wouldn't have started if Conor Bradley was available. Maybe the decision would have been made for the manager there. Would have just waited a little bit and let him have a little bit more training before he threw him back in because he did look off it. But again, you know, I'm seeing some absolutely mad takes about Trent, how... You know, he's not good enough and he shouldn't have come back into the team and he shouldn't be anywhere near it. And it's like, well, Conor Bradley, absolutely wonderful when he came into the team, don't get me wrong. Phenomenal for an academy product to to come in and play that way. And I think he's going to get a lot of games between now and the end of the season. But Liverpool were in that position before Conor Bradley came into the team. You know, they they were top of the league. They were into the semi-finals of the League Cup. They'd just beaten Arsenal away with Trent in the team uh, in the FA Cup. when when That's when he picks up the injury. So... Absolute madness to me that, that he's getting so much stick. And, I, and I, you know, people forget how good he was before he got that injury. That was seen as a potentially decisive blow for Liverpool. You know, it's a miracle that they've kept winning without him. But, you know, you cannot keep a player of that quality out of the team for very long. And I'm sure he'll have easier afternoons than this. And he'll also come back to his influential bets in the in the coming weeks, especially because Liverpool are playing against sides where they, they're going to have to dominate possession and we'll be having to look to to a little bit of magic to unlock them. So Trent's absolutely key to that. And he, he, yeah, not his best, not his best afternoon, but you know, no doubts over him as an absolutely world class player, and he'll play a key role now uh, in these coming weeks. Yeah, there, there does seem to be a bit of a a revisionism, shall we say, on social media about where we are and forgetting certain things. But yeah, that, that may be always be the nature and. The two players that I do want to talk about, and I want to talk about objectively, because I know you will have seen it, and we've talked about like Gapo and Gravenberg coming in. They were the two that people looked at. I mean, the scrutiny, and maybe there's a bit of truth in both of these statements. Is it harsh, or do you feel like you could understand why people looked at elements of their performance yesterday? Yeah, let's start with Gravenberg, because I do feel it's a little bit harsh with him, because, you know... 
what he did on the ball actually yesterday was, was some of the stuff was quite good in terms of evading, you know, evading challenges and moving the ball on. He actually completes a, a far higher percentage of his passes than, than Curtis Jones. The, the, and, and, he, and he wins, I think, three out of six duels, which again, Jones was nowhere near. Didn't, you know, if you're winning half your duels, you're sort of kind of happy with that in most games. And he was, he was in and around that. So, you know, Gravenberg, the things he actually did, he didn't do too poorly. I think what, his problem was that he struggled to get on the ball a lot. Um, and, yeah. You know, you can blame him for that, definitely, because it's all about demanding it at times. But also sometimes it's about being found by your teammates. So I didn't think he was any more poor than Jones. And, that, you know, Jones got rightly has got more credit in the bank, don't get me wrong. But, uh, but I think Ravenberg, you know, he, what he did, he did better than Jones. He executed far better. He just didn't see as much of the ball, which is unfortunate. Um, so I don't think he deserves to be, to be too harshly treated. And, I do think there's an imbalance when him and Jones are used in that same midfield. It's so much better when Sovers lies with one of the others, you know, whether that's Gravenberg or Jones. He just, Gravenberg doesn't seem a natural fit. And that right hand side didn't kind of work that well, actually, throughout the whole match, really. So yeah. I, fe- I feel a little bit for him around that. And, you know, he's a young player being thrown in there because of an injury in a game he probably wouldn't have been used in because of the intensity that was expected. You know, he is more at the moment at this season until he gets a pre-season in him. He's more Europa League, League Cup sort of outings, isn't he? And he's helping Liverpool in a big way uh, keep this sort of forefronted attack on trophies going. So, you know, not not a game for him and it it didn't work out. But, you know, like I say, didn't think he was any worse than Jones, who, who saw a lot more of the ball and was worse with it and also didn't win his duels at all. So, you know... Gravenberg seems to be—he seems to have taken up that mantle as the the whipping boy at the moment. So I feel for him a bit around that. And and Gakpo, I mean, we spoke pre-match. I, I'm, I'm a big Gakpo fan. Um, you know, I really really like him. I think he's kind of underrated. But he was he was he was poor yesterday. There's <laughs> no getting away from that. Um, you know, it, again, I, I think a victim of what of Arsenal's setup really in terms of you know they were so intense and pressing and you just. Jurgen Klopp said before the match, didn't he, that it was a tactical decision to use yeah. Gakpo in, instead of Nunes. And if, if that was true and it wasn't about the foot injury, then I think he would say he got that wrong because I think you just, Arsenal was so intense and he was so pressed on Liverpool that all Liverpool needed was an out ball. And Gakpo, for all his strengths, is absolutely not that. I mean, he, he completes six out of 11 passes, which is really poor, gets one yeah. shot and he doesn't threaten enough in behind. That was the, the big miss. I mean, there are a couple of moments when he did actually. I think, is it is it Gabriel cuts out that uh, Trent yeah. Alexander-Arnold pass? You know, it's a great bit of movement, very un- great bit of defending. Um, so Gapo did show he's got that in the locker and there's one where he spins his man as well. And I think, is it is it Gabriel who ends up with the yellow card around that situation yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah, so he had showed he got it in the locker, but he's not quite as natural at doing that as Nunez. And he also just, he's not quite as electric pace wise, is he? So, you know, he, he just didn't seem a good fit for that game at all. But alongside that, I thought he, he didn't play well either. So, like I say, if it was a tactical decision, it was, it was the wrong one, you'd say. Yeah, it's, it was a weird one from Jurgen Klopp because I think we all thought it's the foot that makes sense. We'll get Nunez for 20 minutes. But when he confirms it's tactical, I think we're all kind of like, hold on. We've all seen what Nunes brings and just that that pace in behind and that changes the game. But hey-ho, I also thought, speaking of, if you mentioned Jurgen Klopp's tactical, were you surprised a little bit by Joe Gomez inverting and Trent pinned to the right-hand side? I think a lot of us were thinking, surely that should be the other way around. But we expected that to get Trent on the ball. Did that surprise you at all? 
I wonder whether they were just trying to unsettle Arsenal by trying something a little bit different. You you, you do have to do that from time to time. You can't go into every game with the same tactics. And, and Gomez is very you know capable on the ball. So you know sometimes that can work out. And I wonder as well if it kind of helps. It helped to get Trent a little bit more wide, which is what they were kind of trying to replicate. What Bradley's been doing recently is, is sort of hugging the touchline a little right. bit, yeah, and, and and then allowing your forwards to tuck inside and creating a kind of narrow front three. I, I wonder if that was what they were trying to. Obviously, it didn't work at all um, because Arsenal yeah. was so dominant in the game. But I, you know, sometimes you're going to try things like that tactically, and they won't work out. And you know, it, it's one of those things. Everyone moans about Trent inverting and then. When he doesn't invert and he hugs the touchline like he used to do, there's complaints about that as well. Where you know, I, I just think sometimes the tactics don't work out. And even if things, you know, even if the tactics had worked out yesterday, I thought you know Arsenal were kind of just dominating things in terms of the press and the physicality that, that Liverpool would have struggled anyway. So it's it's just one of those, isn't it? And, and I'm sure Trent will have better games. I'm you know Joe Gomez, interesting decision to make now around him at left back. Um, going forward, so yeah, it's um, but it's it's just one of those that I think it's quite easy to write that that one off as a, a failed tactical experiment. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, and speaking of failures, Liverpool are definitely, definitely not going to retain the Fair Play League award this year, are they? As another red card for Canate this time. Any complaints for you at all over that one? No, I think Klopp's right to say, why doesn't Gabriel get one from the Nunes challenge later on? It's pretty similar situations, aren't they? But, you know, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. I don't think Canate can complain. Kind of annoying, really. I think I think that was a poor decision from him to make the challenge as well because it wasn't like Arsenal were absolutely in on goal or, you know, maybe he thought they were. He just didn't need to do it because, you know, the real pain is not to lose him for the final five minutes of a game you've already lost. It's to to lose him for Burnley next up, isn't it? That, that That's the real shame. So I thought it was a poor decision from him and he didn't really have a great game. So maybe his head was a little bit chocker um, and, and that can happen. But he's been he's been fantastic this season. So don't don't want to be too harsh. Yeah, it was the only thing I was thinking, especially with Canate and Van Dijk and how dominant they are aerially. They let the ball bounce a lot yesterday. I just thought at times, you know, like for that ball, just just put a head on it. Maybe it's the fifty old fifty p, and it goes at least just clear it. It's I, all the trouble came yeah, from bouncing balls. I think I think a lot of that. Well, they, interestingly, they both won six out of six aerial duels yesterday. But you you're right about letting the ball bounce because even if you win the aerial duel in that situation, you can't get power on the header. 
you're heading it up. And I think a lot of it, they was kind of worried about. They're always trying to get a header back to the keeper or trying to get possession back because they're worried. Because Arsenal was so sharp on second balls. Again, that goes back to their physicality. They were they were swarming Liverpool. Because Arsenal was sharp on those second balls, Liverpool were a little bit panicky around where they were heading it initially and worried that an Arsenal player was going to scoop it up and then they'd be straight back on the attack and they'd be disorganised in defence. So that was a big part of it. And again, you know, you got to give credit to Arsenal around that in terms of the way that they, they played the game and that, that got in Liverpool's head massively. Yeah, it's we'll put a big underline, write it off and move on to next week. I think it's fair for that Arsenal performance. And a couple of off-the-field things that I do want to ask you as well. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the stories like we have. Disney Plus is the latest one, isn't it? As the stories that it's around £10 million and a documentary value to Liverpool behind the scenes. We all know Jurgen Klopp's comments on this previously. He was pretty unabridging in what he'd said, but how would I put this? There's a lot of conspiracy theories as well now, isn't there, Allowa, how that's going? What are your honest thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, right, this sums it up. So the the fact that people believe that the, the Klopp is going because of the documentary. Now... We know now, so apparently Disney, are, are close, you know, the, I think it was, was Lewis Steele reported it yeah. the day that the, the, the debt ten million pound deal is is close to Disney. So people genuinely think that the FSG would risk losing, you know, the, the greatest manager they've ever had, one of Liverpool's greatest of all time, for ten million pounds. You know, the money that Klopp brings in in merchandising and and and, and success <laughs> and trophies and, and prize money. It eclipses that to to an unbelievable degree. And people think that they're so dead set on having a documentary that they would say, you know what, Jürgen, sorry, you can go. Uh, we're not bothered. We're going we're gonna to take the 10 million. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I thought they made it kind of clear in the statement, Liverpool, in terms of, look, there's agreed areas for filming that it's not going to be in the yeah. dressing room. So they've obviously sat down with the manager and said, look, if, if you are going to go, can we do this documentary you have the complete control over where the cameras can go and X, Y, and Z editorial decisions. And he said, yeah, okay, I'll absolutely do that. And I think that, you know, he's clearly fine with it. He, he wouldn't, it just wouldn't get to this point that FSG have forced it through to lose him. And if it was such a sticking point, he would just quit on the spot. So yeah, I yeah. find it absolutely mad that, that people are still pushing that idea. I just want to, you know, vehemently rule that out. That is, it's complete nonsense that there's any any link between the two things. Apart from that, Klopp has accepted. He's been more open to the idea because he is leaving and because he wants to leave already. Yeah, it, it does seem bobbins. I mean, like even if people do believe this for a bit, do you not think the fans would stop this happening? You know, if they got wind that that was the case, you think there's been protests before? If you think there wouldn't be protests that this was the case, but like it would be insane beyond belief yeah. what you'd see at Anfield. But yeah, hopefully that does fully put that one to bed. And it went to bed. The January window has finally passed. I mean, there, there was. It seemed like it was all quiet on the Western Front completely. But there is just a few I do want to ask you about because. Deadline day brought a few stories. There was, I think it's Soleil, it's pronounced, that Salzburg was mentioned, that Romano said Liverpool had looked at him, but made a choice not to go for it. And then the Kelleher bid from Forrest, that sort of came in deadline day from nowhere, around 15 million. Honest thoughts on those two? Are, are those just, don't put any stock in it? Or is there, you think, there might be something in Kelleher and even in the future as well? I think with the Sole stuff, it's very much sounds like a oh, it was offered to you know it was it was offered to by an agent and, and and nothing really more to it than that. I mean, Jurgen Klopp sort of was really sort of 
you know, convincing on this in terms of that the summer plans were affected by Quantz's emergence. So they decided not to sign someone and, and therefore I don't think they're going to undermine that at the moment. You know, I still, I still think there's an interesting conversation to have around what they do at centre half in the summer. It's, it, you know, if Joe Gomez isn't going to be at left back anymore because you've got Connor Bradley, then he can be, he can be, uh, uh, sorry, left or right back because you've got Simakas Robertson, uh, Connor yeah. Bradley, Alexander Arnold. He can be a centre half. So you are back to four. If they believe in Quanta, which I believe, you know, they clearly do because they, they they decided not to sign in the summer because he was there. So, you know, I'm I'm no doubt they're looking at Sole. He's 23 years old. He's in that right age bracket. He's playing in a, a decent league for a, a, obviously Salzburg, who they look to sign centre halves of a similar sort of profile to yeah. Liverpool, and they've got a similar look at those sort of things. So. I've no doubt they're looking at him, but again, you know, I don't think that guarantees anything. And the fact that they turned it down, that the, the opportunity was offered to them, is, it doesn't really come as a big surprise to me because I think Liverpool are, are fairly well stocked in that position between now and the end of the season, at least. And, and in terms of Kelleher, sorry, um, yeah, an interesting one that that Boris would think they would even try it at 15 million. I think Liverpool are going to ask for more. You look at, I think Don King said that, that James Trafford went to Burnley yeah. for around 19 million, and and, and that that should be the benchmark, you know. Liverpool have got a, a, a keeper that's won the League Cup in, in Quivine Kelleher and is about to get, in, you know, play in another final. So, you know, he's clearly a quality goalkeeper and, and they should be expecting a little bit more than 15 million. And to, to lose in mid-season doesn't make sense. He just, for Kelleher's own, you know, for, for him really, just to stick around and have another chance at winning the League Cup and then at the end of the season, let's have a look at your future then. I just think it makes more sense for, for all parties really. And going to... Forest, which is a crazy club at the minute as well, is it, it just doesn't look like a good career move to me. It just, timing's everything, as they say, and the last day of the window makes it an absolute no-go. It just seems a silly, ridiculous move. It does have the feel, though, if if Forest stay up, and there's a FFP case and all that, I know naturally, and they're probably not the only ones, but if that move was made at the start of the summer, it's not unbelievable is it or beyond the realms of belief something could develop but yeah last last day of the transfer window in January absolute bobbins and the only other one I wanted to ask you about any surprise that as quite a few reported Bobby Clark had approaches but they said no he's staying and and I get he's had minutes I suppose the question people are going to say is all the midfielders are coming back it appears where is he going to get minutes now realistically yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't let him go. Maybe the, the offers that came in, I think Derby County was one of them. Um, they, they, they just didn't think there was enough guarantee for him for minutes there. Or he wasn't playing the right type of football, or they just yeah, they just thought it wasn't going to be a good loan for him. Uh, maybe there's, you know that that is always a factor in these things. I do wonder whether it says anything about maybe Stefan Bajcetic about you know when is he going to be available? Yeah. You know because if he if he isn't until very late in the season, then maybe they think they just need that little bit of extra cover to get them through. Um, so maybe it's, it could be anything to to do with that. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll have to see. I, I do hope he gets minutes. And to be honest, I think you know he's maybe not going to play very much between now and the end of the season. But there is. There is value still in these players being around and training and playing academy games. I think Klopp made the point around Conor Bradley, didn't he, in terms of, you know, he, he'd had that low move. But other than that, you know, a lot of time has been spent in the Liverpool Academy and the training with the first team. A lot of development happens in that period. You don't necessarily need to be out playing games to to, to be out there, you know, to, to have this huge breakthrough. I mean, Quanta actually, well, he had half a season at Bristol Rovers and, and yeah. now he's at the Liverpool first team So and, and, and hasn't let anyone down at all yet. 
So it just shows you, yes, experience can be really good for some players and, and, and they need it. But some players are, are fine without it. And, it, it, you know, if you're training at the right level, then you, you're showing that you're ready. And so, you know, maybe you think with Bobby Clark, it was an absolute must that he needed to go out this in, in, in the January window. He has, to be fair, looked really good when he's come in as well. He's looked up, up to pace, not like a kid just coming into it at the same time. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that one develops. And this is almost all related to Burnley because we almost feel like we wish the game was tomorrow, don't we? We'll get over there straight back into it. Probably the, the players feel that way. A bit off the pitch, because I know you you mentioned the story on it. It was your story about Annie Road and the upper being developed and there was hopes for that being ready for Burnley. Is there anything further on that? Are the club still hopeful or is that going to roll on? Yeah, I still think it's slightly up in the air whether it'd be ready, but there's a there's a hope it's it's going to be there. So next next few days are, are absolutely crucial. Could could kind of go either way really in terms of whether they get it ready or not. But but it's not one to rule out yet. So that that keep an eye on that over the next, over this week. I would say um, could could be a development on that front. Yeah, that that would be a big one, isn't it? To to get a full house at Anfield would be special and. Other positives that you hope for, Burnley, which we're all looking for, and I'll kind of do it as a, a job lot. It could be Endo, it could be Salah, Zabozlai back. I know we've talked about Zabozlai, hopefully it's precaution. And I know you even wrote about it this morning for Endo. That his, is it right that he's expected back any time now as well? And Salah, are we just waiting? Yeah, so... With, with Endo, definitely, you know, I'd expect him to be in the squad for, for Burnley. He's, he should be back at the AXA today, so they'll have a look at him. And if he's not reporting any issues, then, you know, straight back into full training and, and, and in the squad, which is a, a nice boost to, to Jurgen Klopp's options, particularly not not necessarily in this period where they've got two kind of clean weeks, but obviously things are going to ramp up and you're going to need everyone. So nice for him to have a little build up to getting back up to speed as well and, and back into playing Liverpool football. And then, you know, hopefully he can, he can have a big influence. And Sobersly, as I said, yeah. Hope that's precautionary. Obviously, they, they knew that definitely Arsenal. They didn't want to risk him for, but after that, you know, it doesn't sound like he's re he's re injured yeah. it. So you know, fingers crossed that settles down and he can be in the squad for Burnley. And salary is just very much a, a day by day injury. It is with these hamstring injuries, you've just got to take your time until it feels right, and and you don't want to push it too early. So be absolutely marvelous if you could get him in the squad for Burnley. And this is you know this big period coming up to get him fit. And then you're looking at almost a, a fully fit Liverpool squad, then aren't you? Yeah. You know, uh, by Chetich and Matty beside, and 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 it couldn't be you know couldn't pick a better time really to get that back together because so many games, so many challenges coming up, and Liverpool are going to absolutely need everyone. Does it? It's a weird question, but does it almost feel like at this point, starting from today, almost it's another mini pre-season in the sense of. It's about getting players back. We have got, this is the last time we'll probably have it, real space in between games. It almost feels like it's about getting players back and getting them ready for this final block of the season. Is that a fair analogy? Yeah, it kind of feels like the running starts here. I think, you know, obviously the, 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 you can just put that Arsenal game to bed now and we spoke about the reasons, the mit mitigating factors there. I think it's quite easy to just cut that off now and say, right, okay, reset. We're getting everybody back here. We're going to have the full squad. Let's go for this. Let's let's give it everything we can between now and the end of the season and, and see where we end up. And I just think it's, you know, timing-wise, I talked about the kind of, there has been some element of fortune about Liverpool's injuries in terms of like it's been one right back out, one right back in and, you know, same in every other position. You know, the, it, what happened in the number six position as well. But we're finally getting to the point where he's going to have a full squad to choose from. And I just think that's massive in terms of the quality of training, 
you know, the ability to rotate through this period so that you're putting out a hundred percent physical performance in every game and, and you know, you're not getting run all over at Arsenal like they were on Sunday. So I mean I wouldn't expect that to happen in, in, in many other games anyway. There's not many teams can do that other than you know your Arsenal, Manchester City and obviously Liverpool themselves. But you know, still being able to put that hundred percent into every game is, is going to be massive. So it's it does, it feels like a the, this week now building up to Burnley it just feels like a little chance to reset, loads of talks in training and, and let's go for it. And it's it's exciting that you know I'm really looking forward to this period now because I just think yeah, I can quite easily write that Arsenal defeat off and Liverpool are in great position, better than I would have ever dreamed at the start of the season. So, you know, lot to look forward to. Let's go for it. Yeah, we'd, we'd have snapped your hand off for this at the start of the season to be talking like this. No two ways about it. And the final section, ladies and gents, the normal questions from the viewers. There wasn't as many this week. Maybe everyone's a bit down, so to speak, but who knows? But this one was it. And, and this came up in a few different ways. A few people, one guy actually made me laugh with this. He goes, we're all going to talk about the other games, but it all just comes down to City v Liverpool at Anfield. That's how he worded it. Is there an essence of understanding what he's put in there? Is that how you're kind of seeing the blocks hopefully falling into place? Well, yeah, I mean, Jürgen Klopp won't be looking at it like this because he'll know, you know, there's three games coming up that are very winnable, but you have to go and win them. You know, Brentford away is is kind of still tricky, even though they're struggling a bit at the moment, you know, particularly with Ivan Tony back. You know, that's, that's not an easy game by any means. You've got to be very, very careful there and Liverpool know that. But in terms of the City game, I think, you know, I'd say, I, I wouldn't say it's pivotal in the sense that if Liverpool win that, they go and win the league. But I absolutely don't think they can win the league if they don't win that game. I, I, I think they need to take three points off City if they can. Yeah. Um, I just think that's just massive. Um, and to do, you know, at Anfield where they're, they're, they're so strong and City are really struggling, uh, struggled in recent years. You just you have to win that game. You have to put that gap between yourselves and City and, and hope that that's going to be enough uh, that, that you can then match their results over the remainder of the season. But yeah, yeah. That, there's not a world I can see where Liverpool don't win that game and they go on to win the league. So uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say it's a, ma- a massive game. Yeah, it does it does feel a little bit. Like all roads lead there, but you've got to get to that road first of all. And a, a few came in with this, and I get it. And we talked about Kelleher and the poor timing. A, a few were suggesting, though, they wouldn't be surprised just because of age profile, everything like that. If this does feel like it is his last season at Anfield, can you see that, or do you think he is happy in that almost number two role? No, I, I think he'll go this summer. I think there was there was potential for it to happen last summer if the right opportunity presented itself but it didn't in the end because you know Bright, Brighton, Brentford were all kind of looking for goalies of similar profile and they actually both went for kind of more experience in that position when they when they ultimately pulled the trigger but Kelleher's got another season under his belt played more Europa League played in the League Cup got Liverpool to a final again yeah. hopefully he can go and score the winning penalty in that again and yeah. I just think um, you know he's got more experience under his belt now and he'll, he'll really will will hope to move on in the summer it is again it's all about opportunity so it, will that move come up but I, I think he will he will push hard to go and feel like he's achieved all he can at Liverpool at this point which is fair it's hard to see how he can achieve more as number two and, and it, the brass tacks about you're not going to replace Alisson so yeah got a call to make in the summer and the final one Connor Bradley, and I kind of wanted to finish on this one because obviously it was tragic what happened. Everyone extends their, you know, the condolences and thoughts to sort of the Bradley family from a from a footballing perspective. I mean, we we talk about you've got to have the shirt taken off you, and and the start he's had, it really is 
uh, amazing. We've talked about it now. Burnley, if he does, and this is the right way, I think, to phrase it, if he does make himself available for Burnley, would you want to see him keep that shirt based on what Trent's happened? Or are you thinking more, we need to get Trent, Robbo, those players back up to speed? How do you see that one? I think, he'd, you know, as good as he's been, we don't know, by the way, how long he's sort of his period out of the team is going to last or away from the squad. So, and, and, and yeah, absolutely. Send condolences to his family. Absolutely tragic news. Um, but but in terms of his, it, yeah, we don't know how, how long he's going to be away, but if he if he's back for Burnley, I still think you've got to put Trent back in there because I think, you know, people forget how influential he was. And, and, and games like Burnley, you know, there, there will be games where maybe you, you do see less of the ball and maybe you do want someone who's a bit more defensively minded in that right back slot. But I don't I don't think it's Burnley at home where Liverpool will absolutely dominate possession and Burnley are a little bit goal shy anyway. You know, they, they need Trent's magic on the pitch and and you absolutely have to start him in these games. I know everyone here only as good as your last game. So everyone thinks Trent's absolutely terrible now because he wasn't great at <laughs> yeah. Arsenal and Connor Bradley's been fantastic. So he's a superior player now, but... You know, the, the, the disrespect that Trent gets is just baffling to me. He's one of the best players in the world, full stop. Um, and there's a reason that Liverpool were in such a good position with him in the team. He was he was unbelievable prior to picking up that injury. So just, yeah, he, need, he needs to start against Burnley and I, I hope puts on a, a dominant performance. He just, just needs to get that little bit of match fitness back and sharpness. And, and again, he won't be getting pressed to death or, or be up against someone as good as Martinelli when, when we play Burnley at home. So... You know, getting back in the team, he can hopefully show everyone what he's about again and remind people that, you know, you talk about literally one of the best in the world. So, you know, the, like I say, the, he does get disrespected and I, I kind of don't like that. And I want him to, to come back in and, and show what he's about. Yeah, it does seem crazy, this revisionism. Listen, if everyone's as good as his, their last game, you could understand why Jurgen Klopp's leaving because his entire spine yeah. was... Yeah. <laughs> They're in a relegation battle. Yeah, exactly. Pretty disastrous yesterday, but... This, yeah, this is still one of the, the world's best players, sort of nine assists, three goals already. We, we shouldn't revise anything. Let's just hope, let's hope that everything goes, you know, well in terms of Trent's fitness getting back to normal. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Connor Bradley. I mean, a weird question to ask, but it is right to say, because I know people are going to be asking us, David, about this pod and say, this sounds very jovial for a team that played poorly yesterday and lost 3-1 and, you know, all these. But we've talked about it thoroughly. It's right to still be optimistic that all the prizes are still in sight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't sum it up better than you can You can lose to Arsenal away. They're, they're a good side and they can outplay you when they're playing at home. That. It can happen to anyone. It happened to Manchester City, where everyone now is convinced they're just going to steamroll the league. So yeah. it, it can happen. Just it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, Liverpool won't have to you know play an away game as tough as that. You'd hope between now and the end of the season, or certainly not on paper, um, up against that sort of quality and, and, and well coached team. So you know, and they're getting players back. You know, they, they were missing some players yesterday and even so they were still in the game. So I just think you add all those points up and they're still top of the league, by the way, with with, yeah. with the Premier League title still in their hands. It's totally up to them that they could, you know, whether they win it or not. It, 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 they can, it, if they win every game between now and the end of the season, they will be lifting that trophy in May. So, you know, they're just in an unbelievable position with a fantastic manager and a great squad that's getting stronger, getting players back. I haven't even touched on the fact that Thiago's back in the mix, by the way. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've added him as a January signing alongside all the other players that are about to come back, like Mohamed Salah, who's not bad, by the way. 
Um, you know, it's just a, it's a great position they're in, and 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 days like yesterday can happen. You can get your first defeat in six months in the league at a ground like Arsenal's. It can happen. Um, so you know, too much, too many positives for me to to sort of cling to at the moment. If they if they lose to Burnley, maybe there's questions to be asked, but I don't expect that to happen. I think Liverpool are getting a little run again now, and 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 if they do that, then the they're in with a shot, aren't they? Winning the league and, and not just winning the league, they're in all the other competitions as well with, with, with maybe a trophy to, to lift this month. So, so much to look forward to. I, I would advise people not to dwell on the negatives because they've been so few and far between up to this point in the season. Yes, there were loads yesterday. But that's, you know, you, you can have these aberrations. These things happen. Let's, you know, move on quickly. You've got a, a world-class manager. He'll t- he, he doesn't lose many, two on the bounce many uh, very often at all, does he? So, uh, I'm sure that won't happen and Liverpool will be straight back on track and so, so much to look forward to. And literally, maybe time is everything, as I said earlier in the pod. Virgil van Dijk has just put on his social media, in all in caps locks, we will bounce back. See you Saturday. So yeah, Virgil's feeling it. Well, that's it for me. I'm off in the car to jump down the M57. But all it leaves me to say is, David, thanks for lifting us a bit. Thanks for your time and insight. It's much appreciated. No, thanks for having me. It was was quite cathartic, that one. Yeah, we all got it out, I think, there. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.